Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to go into the secret world of performance-enhancing drugs, and then we're going to talk about the top five desserts. So one of the things that I also look at is the illegal production of steroids, and I have uh, tested black market steroids and the quality of those um, of those steroids. The studies have looked at this and the prevalence amongst uh, professional athletes, and the suspicion is is that it at least is between twenty to thirty percent of athletes who are using, and then with certain high risk sports, it's even estimated to be over fifty percent. There's a lot of research coming out which shows that a lot of supplements are actually contaminated, often also with illegal substances. It's like mayonnaise. It gets a bad rap, but it's actually not that bad. I don't think that sour cream raises to the level of mayonnaise. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about they don't like mayonnaise, but I haven't really heard a lot of conversations about people not liking sour cream. I I need extra time to recover just when I walk to my car in the morning. I don't like it when people are like, I'm trying to lose weight, don't give me the corner piece. Then why are you eating cake in the first place? I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I really grew up around sports. I was never any good at them, but I grew up in that world. And my dad was a huge exercise guy, so we were always going to the gym. I'm still a little bit chubby, so that also hasn't really worked out for me. But I bring this up. Because I was always around steroids, people who were talking about them, people who were taking them, but I never really knew anything about them. Our first guest knows all about them. She's a steroid researcher, and she has some fascinating perspective on what these kind of drugs are doing to your body, who's taking them, how easy it is to get past doping tests, and why even if you're just taking supplements... This is something that has really bled over into that industry as well, but we don't know a lot about them because we're not really studying them. This is Dr. Katinka Vandeven. What made you get into steroid research? Uh, what started it for me was when I was still in my master criminology, so that is actually already a while back. But I've been always very in, uh, active in exercising myself, and back then during my master criminology, I also uh, went often to the gym with my brother, who was quite into, you know, bodybuilding and um, who went to the gym quite often. And he, at a certain point, came with this story where he was like, Katinka, it's just, you know, I was just in the gym and the strangest thing happened to me. I, someone came to me and said, do you want to buy some steroids? <laughs> so 
for me that was like oh my god what is happening uh, someone just you know out of the blue offering your steroids um, so I started looking into this in the supply and production of steroids I realized that there actually wasn't that much research on it so in that sense coming coming originally from a criminology background I was really interested in the you know the criminal aspects of it but as I as my research has grown I actually um, have focused now much more on prevention and harm reduction uh, and come much more from a public health perspective um, so what you know what I've seen over the years is that when it comes to the healthcare system this group of drug users usually doesn't get a lot of um, priority um, and has difficulties accessing uh, medical sources when we talk about steroids like what what are we talking about necessarily because I always hear the phrase steroids but I don't actually know what drugs we're talking about well very broadly talking, um, so I mean, anabolic steroids are just basically a synthetic version of testosterone. So the proper term is anabolic androgenic steroids, and then anabolic refers to the muscle building parts, where androgenic refers to the uh, male sex characteristics. So in a sense, steroids, uh, and there's a very wide range of steroids, um, but they're used generally for, you know, increase in muscle mass uh, and strength and used for recovery purposes, so to help the muscle heal faster. You know, when you look at steroids, are there different types? Like, what kind of drugs are people actually taking? Because when I hear steroids, I don't really know about the individual ones. There is a lot of different steroids uh, and testosterone uh, out there uh, that all have, you know, can have slightly different functions um, in relation to muscle mass, muscle strength, and fat loss. Uh, but some of, for example, the you know more popular steroids are uh, Dianabol, Anavar, Stenazol, uh, so um, also known as Winstrol. And then, for example, with testosterone, things that are really important is um, sorry, popular is testosterone anatate. But I think what is also really important is that usually steroids are not used on their own, but often are used used in combination with other performance and image enhancing drugs. So what we see is that this group usually also uses uh, things like fat loss drugs like glenbuterol or ephedrine uh, or other muscle building drugs like human growth hormone. And they also will use things like melanotan. So this is a drug that you inject which then uh, darkens your skin, which is really popular, for example, in bodybuilding competitions. Um, so th And uh, things that also are used is... Um, things like Viagra um, to help with, uh, you know, things with impotence that sometimes can be a side effects of using steroids. So there's a lot of different things that... I mean, that just can't be good for the body because it doesn't seem like somebody's just going to take one of those, do they? No, and that's, um, that's actually really interesting that you bring that up. And that's one of the issues that we're seeing is that... The amount of steroids uh, and the length of cycles are really increasing. So where, you know, people, you know, back in the days, uh, uh, you know, were using maybe one steroid and really used it for, you know, 8 to 12 weeks and then really had an off, an off period. Now we see that people with a beginner cycle use straight away, you know, multiple types of steroids uh, and then also don't take a break anymore. So that is usually called the blasting cruise approach. Um, so where, you know, people will then, for example, have a cycle and then maybe lower the amount than the, what which they are initially are using, but don't stop and just continue using. And that's where 
you know, side effects, of course, can really occur, and that is really problematic. Um, and especially, you know, as a beginner, you don't need to use all, you know, num numerous types of steroids to have beneficial effects. Usually you can have a very simple cycle just using uh, testosterone and have benefits from it. And um, also one of the things is... Um, with the off cycle is that uh, which is why that is really important to incorporate is so that it reduces the chance of side effects but also reduces uh, uh, the chance of you building up an intolerance so you know the fact that you need to start using more and more to reach similar kind of effects do you do you ever study do you anything with what's that synthol where they're like injecting oil into their bodies I don't personally do research on that. Uh, I know that I know that there is some, yeah, uh, emerging research on there. And you have, of course, you know the the famous examples like Greg Valentino, who completely go overboard. But I don't know to what extent it is actually used, because I wonder to what extent it's also media hype. But also sometimes sentinel is used in very small amounts in bodybuilding competitions, just you know to slightly correct, you know, a calf that needs to be slightly bigger. So. We always tend to think about, you know, sinful freaks uh, that go completely overboard. Um, but, you know, that's not necessarily how people are using it. But we don't really know to, you know, what the extent is of what people are using it and how they are exactly using it. The health hazards. What kind of health hazards are you seeing? So, well, to start off, of course, the context is really important. So... Uh, there is, of course, different uh, types of short and long-term health harms that we see. But it is, of course, really dependent on the type of steroid that you're using uh, and also potentially other performance and, and image-enhancing drugs. Uh, if you're using multiple substances at once, uh, the length of your steroid cycle, uh, the quantity uh, you use, and so on. But what we see in research, and again, the problem is, is that research is quite limited in this area. But in general, we see... Um, you know, uh, short-term effects are reported, but they are usually reversible once people st uh, stop using steroids. So think about things like acne, loss of libido, um, low mood, shrunken testicles, uh, insomnia, and so on. Uh, we do see some um, long-term risks, but there is still a lot of research um, uh, that is looking into this. Uh, so we do see an increased risk on uh, cardiovascular disease. We can see there is some indications that it can impact your cognition. And also what is important is your fertility. Uh, and that is very important because a lot of, especially young men, younger men who are using these um, substances, and with younger, I mean, the average age is around 25 years when people first start using these substances. But they don't really think about fertility, you know, until they're older. Uh, because if you try to talk about, but what, you know, if you uh, ever want to have children. So those are things that they not necessarily consider once they start uh, one of those cycles. And it's not that, um, so usually that is, you know, it's also re reversible. So it will come back um uh, once you stop your steroids, but it's you know with a small percentage it will not come back, and that's where it becomes problematic. Um, then we also have uh, psychological harms that we see with it. Um, so there's rates of depressions that are being reported, and specifically what is often mentioned in relation to this is muscle dysmorphia, uh, which the media is also labeled as pyorexia. So it's where you know st uh, steroid users who are 
actually quite muscular, see themselves as really, really small. But as I said, um, yeah, a lot is unknown because we don't really have the clinical trials, clinical trials that study the uh, efficiency and long-term effects of steroid use. But what is really interesting to mention as well is that when we compare steroids to other drugs, so David Nutt actually had has done some interesting research on this where they looked at 20, 20 different substances, uh, including alcohol, where they looked at the individual and social harms. So compared to other drugs, um, steroids actually always score very low, both in terms of individual as in social harms. And I think that's also something that is really important to remember. And then just finally to note, you know, you have health risks that are related to using these substances, but then you also have health risks related to the way that they are administered. So whether they are you are using them orally or uh, or whether you're injecting them. So, for example, oral steroids are more toxic to the liver. Well, with injection, you can have injection-related complications like abscesses or the risk of getting a bloodborne virus. Do we know if these things really work? Like how how well do they work? So they definitely work. <laughs> um, and uh, there has actually been some research um, in the 1990s by Besson and, uh, and colleagues where they looked at the effects of steroids. So they had basically four uh, different groups. So people uh, were using uh, steroids without, uh, with, uh, who were exercising, uh, people who were using steroids without exercise. They had a, a placebo who, uh, with a group that were just exercising and then a placebo without exercise. And those people People were injected, I believe, for testosterone and annotate on a weekly basis uh, to see what uh, those steroids uh, would do. And interesting enough, so the group that used steroids who didn't exercise also had an increase in uh, muscle strength and mass. So that's really interesting. So to see that actually, so if you use these substances that without exercise, they will have, I mean, um, it is small, but they will have some effect. And of course, the group you know that used steroids and did exercise, of course, had the biggest effect. So it is really important to know that you know steroids are not a magic bullet. So you, in general, need to train hard, need to pay attention to your nutrition to really get um, the effects of steroids. But it is interesting to see that they have some effect um, uh, on their own as well. When, when we talk about, like, the typical steroid user, has that changed over the years, or is it... I think there's a very wide range of people that are using steroids, and you're right that people tend to think about professional athletes uh, or, uh, you know, that, you know, bodybuilders... Um, who are competing, but actually what we're seeing is that there's a very wide range of uh, uh, people who are using uh, these kind of substances, and they also come all with different risks. So recently there was a research in Denmark that looked at different typologies of steroid users. So for example, on the one hand, um, you have what they described as the YOLO user, so that's you only live uh, once, so that's usually a bit of a younger person who you know uses these kind of substances to look good on the beach will often also use other recreational drugs uh, you have the bodybuilding type that also um, so those people will usually use in higher quantities and um, will uh, also be competing in professional bodybuilding but then you also for example have um, the more sort of well-being type so these are usually older men who are using this for anti-aging purposes. And then you also have, for example, this group of um, people who use it for occupational reasons. So we also are seeing much more that, you know, 
people in the military or police or security personnel that are using these kind of substances as well. So you see actually a wide range of different people that are using these kind of substances and who are using, uh, who are using steroids also for different reasons. So whether it's aesthetics, anti-aging, occupational, uh, competitive uh, bodybuilding and so on. And I think also what is really important to mention is, you know, when we, got, when we think of steroid, people who use steroids, we usually tend to think, you know, of people who have, um, you know, who have issues with their body image, who are insecure, maybe, you know, they've been bullied in the past. But there's also a lot of people who are actually using these kind of substances for the pleasure that they're experiencing from using steroids and with pleasure i mean more so you know the things like they feel they have a greater confidence they have an increase in well-being and strength so yes there's a very wide range of people who are using these substances have you noticed in the recent past one demographic so to speak kind of edging another one out no, not necessarily. What I do want to say is, is I think that the group of people who use this for recreational users is bigger than the, peop- the group that are using these substances for um, uh, professional sports. When you look at it with your background, I mean, are you researching more whether this should be legal or not, so to speak, or are you re- researching just how this is used in society? So I, one of my main focuses is more so to look at how it is used within society. Um, but I am also looking at the differences in policy and how this potentially should be regulated. And that brings very, very interesting discussions. Um, so, for example, in my... Um, research um, on the supply and production of steroids in the Netherlands and Belgium. I also actually looked at policy differences in the sense that, you know, like with drug policy in general, the Netherlands is much more relaxed in the sense that they have much more of a harm reduction approach. Um, But in Belgium, actually, it is quite, it's much stricter. Um, So, for example, any regular person who goes to the gym can be subjected to a doping control, a doping test, and if if you then test positive, you have to pay a fine, and based on that uh, positive test, they can also start a uh, trafficking investigation. So, yeah, I am looking at, so, okay, so, you know, what is the policy impact, and what are the implementations, and should we potentially think, consider different f- ways of regulating this market? I mean, kind of holds your feet to the fire. What do you think that we should do? Should it be legal? Should it be illegal? Well, it's not that black and white, so there's very different, uh, for, uh, def- many different forms of uh, regulatory models in between whether it should be legal or illegal. And it brings a lot of ethical issues as well. So even if you would argue, okay, maybe we should make this legal on a very regulated, uh, but in a very regulated way, so people, you know, uh, would need to go, still need to go to the doctor to discuss these kind of substances before they would be able to access it. But then, you know, an, an ethics dilemma is, is that you are putting GPs uh, on the spot to making decisions as to you know whether or not you should super support someone in using these kind of substances for non-medical reasons. So it's a very difficult discussion as to uh, you know what we should exactly do with regulating this. But what we do see you know is that criminalizing these kind of substances does usually not work. And I mean, the war on drugs is a very good example of that. So. Yeah, there is something. I, yeah, I definitely don't think it should be criminalized. Um, and the problem is, is that we actually do see in countries that it is increasingly being criminalized. So in Australia, for example, 
we see that in certain uh, jurisdictions, so like uh, so in New South Wales and Queensland, um, steroids have actually been rescheduled from um, a class uh, to a class one drugs. So they're now uh, considered on the on the same line as heroin with uh, similar kind of punishments. Um, so I think those kind of developments are definitely not good. Um, but how we then should regulate it? That is the big question. How how do you go about studying it? Is it mainly conversations with people? In my research, it is indeed uh, that I talk to different people, different stakeholders um, who are involved in this uh, illicit market. So I talk to people who use these substances. I talk to people uh, who produce or supply these substances. I talk to healthcare professionals. I talk to um, authorities like the police. Uh, I also talk to um, anti-doping uh, personnel. Uh, but as you know, my focus is much more uh, focused on the recreational user. So for my research, it is really important to have those all those different perspectives uh, when studying uh, steroid use and supply. Um, but I mean, I also, in, 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 in that sense, it's not all qualitative what I do, but I also look, for example, at um, survey responses. So one of the things that we see in Australia is that uh, people who use uh, steroids are in, in a growing group at needle syringe programs. So what we, for example, lo- do is um, look at the, the, the surveys that they fill in when they're attending one of those uh, needle syringe programs and analyzing that kind of data. So it is a very and it's, you know, of course, also depends on the research question that you're trying to answer. When when you talk to people who are doing this illegally, are they pretty forthcoming about it, or do you really have to kind of pry? No, uh, people are usually quite forthcoming about it because um, they also just want to tell their side of the story, and they realize that I, in that sense, um, are objective, and I just want to listen. Um, to what they have to say. Uh, it is more difficult when we're talking about supply, of course, but I was surprised by how open people were about that as well. Does, I mean, when you talk to the people who use them, do they generally feel like they have it under control? Uh, I am surprised by how extensive the knowledge is uh, of uh, a lot of people who are using these steroids. But there is a lot of things that they also sometimes don't know. And some, and with certain health uh, risks, you also don't know really what is going on unless you, for example, do blood tests with a GP. So there is a bit of, you know, two story, uh, two sides to it. So yes, on the one hand, they have incredible knowledge about the substances uh, themselves, what they exactly do, how to have, how to take them. But then they are sometimes not really aware of what it exactly, you know, what exactly the health risks are and what kind of things that you do need to consider. Um, And especially, you know, they are, you know, a little bit aware about the short term effects, but they're not really um, aware or maybe, you know, ignore the long term effects. And, you know, that those are really important things to be aware of. So that's where I try to educate both people who are using these substances, but also healthcare professionals. So when they engage with people who use steroids, that they are better prepared and that uh, can better help them as well. That seems to me to be one of the, the issues that would potentially stand out is because a number of people are taking these and it's not really legal in most countries, and it doesn't seem like a doctor would necessarily be going and helping you and telling you how to do this. Do a lot of people, I mean, do you think that with this issue, and maybe issue isn't the right word, but would it be better if there was medical advice saying, look, if you're going to do this, this is how you should do it, as opposed to 
kind of bro science and just finding out by taking it yourself uh yeah exactly and that actually then comes with several advantages in the sense that you know if you so say you know if we cannot convince someone not to do it because especially with a lot of people um you know there is still things that you can do in after in your training and nutrition that you can do first before you should even start thinking about these substances but if we you know cannot convince you not to do it then we basically want to reduce harms as much as possible so if you know this would be regulated and be under medical control you have the advantage that you could monitor people who are using these substances that you could do regular blood tests so you can really see what is going on uh, and also what is very important is um, that we then also are guaranteed about the quality of substances they're using so one of the things that i also look at is the illegal production of steroids and i have uh, tested black market steroids and the quality of those um, of those steroids and so in my research um, i tested some uh, i only tested like 43 products but only in 16 percent of those uh, products did it match what it said on the label so in generally they were underdosed or they were overdosed or they just contained a completely different steroid that was actually said on the label and my research like i'm just one of many that really show that actually the quality of steroids is really poor so that would then also be an advantage that you would be certain of the substances that you're usually uh, using that the quality would be of you know a pharmaceutical quality where I mean, where are most people getting their steroids from? So we see that people get it from a range of sources. Um, usually, uh, we do see one of the main sources still being through contacts um, in the gym. So whether that's a training body, you know, a personal coach, a manager of a, uh, of a gym. But what we also do see is um, is also we do see that these steroids in some cases are coming from the healthcare industry. So that are GPs who are prescribing them for non-medical reasons. Uh, but then we also see, uh, and especially in Australia, what was really interesting is that in Australia, the amount of um, steroids that were being confiscating confiscated at the border was increasing until say something on between 2015-2016 and after that it's all the sudden decreases and what they're suspecting or what uh, um, customs are, are uh, suspecting is that the production of steroids has potentially increased in Australia um, so in that sense um, it's really easy you know to order raw materials from for example china and then get those raw materials delivered you know to your doorstep and then turn them um into a um into a usable form yourself uh, and then also um we have there is the internet so a lot of people will also get them from the internet uh, and because it's such a great market in the sense that you know it's not like drugs where you're not allowed to possess them uh, in the sense that you can possess steroids if you have a prescription so it makes this for this really gray area how prevalent do you think it is basically in the highest levels of sport it is higher than than the amount of athletes that are testing positive so on a global level there is around 300,000 anti-doping tests that are being conducted uh, there's only two percent positive tests but if we then look you know even if we look at recent case studies um like for example lance armstrong we see that those true prevalence ranges are, are much higher so also when we look uh, studies have looked at this and the prevalence amongst uh, professional athletes and the suspicion is is that it at least is between 20 to 30 percent of athletes 
athletes who are using. And then with certain high risk sports, it's even estimated to be over 50%. So it's definitely higher than the amount of uh, positive tests that we are seeing in professional sports. When you talk about high risk, are you talking about like American football? Yeah, exactly. And cycling is, for example, also a bit of a higher risk sport. Olympic weightlifting. So there are, you know, certain sports, at least from where we know that uh, it seems that they are at higher risk of um, having athletes that are using doping substances. Um, I mean, that's kind of how much of a difference is there between steroids and something that somebody could get like protein powder or something that they could get over the counter? Well, I mean, yes, there's definitely uh, differences between legal uh, supplements and illegal steroids. So, I mean, in general, most supplements are made from natural ingredients. Well, you know, steroids are a synthetic hormone. For steroids, you need a prescription. Uh, Supplements are, in that sense, widely available, you know, in uh, supplement shops um, and can be used without legal medical restrictions. But that's also really interesting because I do research on the supplement industry as well. Um, But that's also somewhere where the problem lies that the supplement industry is very unregulated and we actually see that um, there's a lot of research coming out which shows that a lot of supplements are actually contaminated often also with illegal substances so in a recent review uh, where they looked at 23 studies who examined contamination in substances they found that the range was between 12 to 58 percent of the supplements who had a some form of contamination so you know that is very problematic not in only in terms of a professional athletes who potentially can unknowingly take an unbanned uh, substance but also you know in uh, in relation to health risks you know if you're thinking that you're taking a supplement and that all of a sudden that supplement will contain steroids without you knowing so you know that's of course problematic so when you talk about contaminated we're not talking about like a supplement claims to have no fruit juice and it ends up having fruit juice in it you're talking about like the supplement actually has kind of anabolic properties like a steroid in it Uh, so it has for example steroids in it or in certain weight loss drugs um, that they will have illegal um, drugs in it as well so for example ephedrine uh, has been found in those kind of substances as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's also, in that sense, other fraudulent practices. So we have seen, you know, uh, so those are then, not, I'm not talking about illegal substances, but, for example, in herbal supplements, there have been, a, you know, a couple of scandals where we, uh, where they discovered that they were actually, uh, where they just simply used fillers. So, for example, grass, as opposed to the actual ingredient that was supposed to be in there. So, in that sense, uh, it just really becomes a waste of money what you just bought. <laughs> uh, and then, for example, one of the other things that we also see is with protein powders, that they, for example, will claim that, you know, X percent um, uh, of the protein powder contains actual protein, but then that's percent percentage is actually much lower than uh, what they're actually claiming. So there's different things going on with the supplement industry that are a bit concerning. And it is because they're not regulated like medication, so they ha- don't necessarily have these safety uh, and quality checks. It is uh, that, that becomes really problematic, and that can lead to those kind of practices that I just mentioned. Let me ask you this question to ask you another question. Do you consider it to be cheating? Um, that is, um, so do you mean, so you mean in professional sports? Yeah, let, uh, I was, let's, I yeah, let's say professional sports. I think that's the best example. Um, yeah, so I mean, 
uh, if you get caught using doping substances, that um, that is uh, cheating uh, because those are the rules in sports. Uh, but my problem lies more so with the current anti-doping system. So in the sense that that currently doesn't mean, uh, seem to work. And, you know, the perfect example is also what I just mentioned, that, uh, the, you know, the prevalence range seems to be 20 to 30 percent. But we actually see that only 2 percent of the athletes test positive. So, um, yeah, you know, if you get caught, you know, you should be sanctioned for that. But I do think that the anti-doping system, that changes need to be made about how we are trying to regulate this. This is, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if this is your area of expertise or all, but I'd, I'd also like to know it. Like kind of what you think about it. What do you think about the idea of like testosterone replacement therapy and the idea that maybe an older athlete, as they get 37, 40, they take testosterone replacement therapy to get back to where they were when they were in their 20s? Is that taking steroids, but you're just back to where you actually were before? So what do you think about yeah, that? So I- yeah, so exactly. So those are exactly the kind of questions that I like to put to the discussion because you're right in that sense. Um, replacement therapy, um, especially in the U.S., is um, quite popular. And at a, after a certain age, your natural testosterone production will uh, lower. So, you know, should that be something that we would should allow an older athletes to be able to still compete with people who have still, you know, higher testosterone levels um, but that's also in that sense i just think that there is we need to bring more nuance when it comes to anti-doping and uh, that is exactly one of the questions that we need to be thinking but i'm also thinking of for example with the uh, anti-doping lists of banned substances that basically everything is just being put on there without really considering whether they actually increase performance. And then I'm thinking about things like cannabis, um, if um, they actually impact health. So should we maybe look at uh, the substances and look at thresholds of, as to you know what extent we can safely use uh, and allow that? So that was, for example, also problematic with caffeine use. That you know, because caffeine use is also uh, you know drinking coffee and things like that is really something is which is you know it, caffeine is in so many different products and having that initially on the banned list. Uh, brought so many athletes in, into um, into trouble. So they had to increase that threshold. So I just think that those kind of things is something we need to think about as well. How easy is it to get past the test? Well, at the moment, it seems to be relatively easy because the true prevalence range is much higher than the athletes that are testing positive. Uh, and it is also really uh, difficult to stay up to date um, of all the kind of substances that potentially can be used and also the new methods that they're thinking of of potentially using these substances. So new substances, um, you know, the so-called designer steroids are constantly being developed for which no uh, test uh, exists. Uh, And then also, you know, as I said, they're thinking of new ways to beat the system. So think, for example, of microdosing. So just using in such low quantities that it wouldn't really necessarily that a test would pick it up but it still potentially could be beneficial and enhance your performance so it's really difficult to really you know stay on top of all the different things that an athlete potentially could do to uh, use doping substances to enhance their performance this in general doesn't really have a priority um, in the sense of the um, of 
providing uh, healthcare services to the to their users. So in general, people um, you know who try to reach out to a GP have quite a negative response. So you know, GPs simply will say that they that people need to stop and are not really really willing to help this uh, this you know group of users. And I think that's and uh, and that you know that also then leads to people not going to medical sources anymore, but instead go to friends in the gym to get their information. And I think that's really something that we need to change. So we need to bring those try to you know bring those group to get groups together. The last thing that I would ask, have you, has the rate of increase amongst the general population or just as a whole, has that increased over the last 10, 20, 30 years? Um, so, yeah, that's the problem with this um, field is that there is very limited re- uh, research on in relation to prevalence. So we don't really know if it has increased. Um, so usually, you know, the percentage is between one and three percent. But we see other indications as to that that percentage that the prevalence potentially uh, can be much higher. So one of the things that I already mentioned is, you know, we see quite a big increase in um, of steroid users going to needle and syringe programs. Uh, then we also see that higher amounts are being uh, of steroids are being confiscated at the border. So there are these indications that you know prevalence potentially might be growing or is bigger than we know um, but yeah as said the research is quite limited in that extent I want to thank Katinka so much for joining us if you want to connect with her we've linked to her on our social media accounts we're profoundly pointless on Facebook Twitter and Instagram we've also included in the RSS feed on this podcast some great resources if you want to connect with her or learn more about performance enhancing drugs Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. He wanted to record really early this week, and I'm really wondering why. Hello? How do you feel about sour cream? (laughs) Can I just interject real fast? No. I answered the phone and realized that I didn't press accept, I guess, with my sausage fingers. So... I was talking to myself for a good five to ten seconds. What did you say? I was like, hello. And then I thought you were being an ass. So then I was like, all right, well, this is a good start. And then I looked at the phone. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even press accept. Okay, so back to my question. How do you feel about sour cream? Uh, I like it, actually. I'm a, I'm a fan. Why do you say actually? Do you feel like a lot of people you know don't like sour cream? I do. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like sour cream is like mayonnaise. It gets a bad rap, but it's actually not that bad. I don't think that sour cream raises to the level of mayonnaise. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about they don't like mayonnaise, but I haven't really heard a lot of conversations about people not liking sour cream. What uh, What has brought upon the sour cream question? Uh, mind your business, please. <laughs> so, Nick, when you when you eat your sour cream, do you like it to be warm? Or do you like it to be nice and cold? Look, this kind of started last week where you're trying to push. Like, we usually we've done the joke with meat and smoking meat. And you pushed into trying to go for apples last week. And I kind of I kind of let that go. And now you're trying to push into sour cream. And it's, it's just too much. It, it's a smoked meat joke. And I think it needs to stay at that. I mean, I don't disagree with you. However, I well, think Well, you obviously everything- do disagree with me because you, you went for it. You cut me off before I could explain my reasoning. I think everything has a sexual... You can make anything in the world sexual. 
Anything. What's the least sexual thing that that you've ever like? I, I don't even know. Have you ever been turned on by something non-sexual? Um. Yes or no? Have you ever walked past a mannequin and gotten a boner? No, never. I haven't either, but I really thought that maybe that that was something. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever like found yourself like, wow, what's happening here? <laughs> um, I don't. I haven't had too many weird instances to be honest with you, which I know sounds like bullshit, but I just haven't. I one thing that I think is super embarrassing that I've never done, but I, I could have seen myself doing it, is from a distance saying, "Oh man, that person looks attractive." Just from the back end, and then you get closer to them, and you realize it's a man with long hair or something. Would I you, always think that that's hilarious. Who do you think is the most attractive man? Like, what? who do you personally consider to be the most attractive man you've ever seen? It can obviously be a celebrity. Or somebody in your real life, I guess. Uh, I'd probably have to go with somebody like, I don't know, like a Mark Wahlberg, you know? What? Like, <laughs> like, like a 50, 55-year-old man. Who's still rocking uh, the good body, takes care of himself, you know, things like that. That's the most attractive man you've ever seen is Mark Wahlberg in his 50s. <laughs> uh, I mean... <laughs> that's just I, a ridiculous answer. Even That's <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous. Okay. Why wouldn't you go younger Mark Wahlberg? What, what, what's, your, uh, what's your answer? Probably Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> this is by far one of the best slash worst conversations we've ever had. I just don't understand how you immediately go to 50-year-old Mark Wahlberg. I don't know how to say it either, I guess. I you... think if I think if you're of that age and you're still you take care of yourself that well, I mean that's, you know, that that I could say how that would be attractive. Okay, so you find older men attractive. <laughs> if if I if I was in to, you know, if I was into men, sure. Okay. <laughs> now that we've established that, good. I mean, is, is that is it fair of me to say that you like Latino men? Yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think smaller Latino men are attractive, and you think older men are attractive. I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> Listen, as long as everyone's happy, I don't care. Do what you want. Live your life. How do you feel about um, how do you feel about professional athletes taking steroids? I mean, I, I think it's it's something that will never be stopped. I don't. I mean, I guess it, I guess it's in in what context? I mean, you know, Lance Armstrong lost a testicle, took some steroids, and came back and won a bunch of Tour de France's, uh, and then they stripped him of of everything, saying that he you know obviously took PEDs, except he had cancer and he lost a testicle. And he was still able to rebound from that and win a bunch of bike races. Now, I know PEDs are illegal, I guess, in the world of athletics. But I also feel that, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, everyone does them. Like, they go under the radar at some point. Yeah, I don't really particularly care. I kind of just assume that all of them are doing something, and I don't blame any of them for it. I'm completely fine with it. Do you think there's one sport where athletes don't be, besides hockey, because those guys are just morons uh who love to get hit with hockey pucks big rubber objects but other than hockey players do you think there's one sport that doesn't really use steroids or their athletes don't use steroids why do you think hockey players don't i would assume that they probably did at the same level of any other sport the only one the one that i would put i'd like football okay like pretty much everybody and i think it's probably more recovery than anything else 
But as far as a sport where they don't, NASCAR, golf. <laughs> well, I guess that's, and and I do find it a sport. But you you have a lot of people who listen to this podcast that would say, "Oh, NASCAR is not a sport. Driving a car for five hundred miles isn't a sport." But I would beg to differ on that. Maybe basketball. I mean, a lot of those guys. But if you they don't look that big on TV. I mean, they look very tall. They don't look super muscular, but then you see him in real life, you're like, oh, that dude's actually pretty muscular. Like, he's a big dude. So, I, I would have the majors, maybe tennis. I don't see the point in tennis. So, I think you made a good point in the, in, the, in the word recovery. Like, I feel like a lot of tennis players would have to take something extra to recover, especially when they're playing, like, in a Grand Slam, where they're playing, like, 12 matches in a weekend. Do you find that you need... Extra time to recover after smacking your balls around for a long time? I, I need to, extra time to recover just when I walk to my car in the morning. Um, do you have your segment? Do you have music? Of course I do. Do you have music? Of course I don't, because I actually had a thought for music, but I had seven people, count them, seven people, come up and tell me that me trying to create music at, at your wish, like, you know, doing it one-legged and one-handed, was fantastic. Okay, well, let's go right Elbow. <laughs> all right, all right, let me see here. All right, here we go, here we go. Oh, shit, okay, well, that didn't work. What did you just knock over? I feel like there was a bowl there. Uh, there was a bowl that came down, a couple of classes, uh, a Costco-sized bag of Ziploc slider bags, it's all good. How do you feel about Costco? I mean, do you think that Costco... Do you buy in bulk, or do you try not to buy in bulk? I hear a lot of people say they don't want to buy in bulk. I've never understood that. I didn't at all. And then uh, I got married and realized how much shit you actually go through when you live with somebody. And I'm on board now. Certain things you buy in bulk. I mean, I don't need to buy four 40-ounce containers of ketchup all at once. But you use them over the course of your life. I don't. That's why I don't understand it. Like, oh, I just don't need these all at one time. Well, you're still going to use them. Right. Uh, I mean, like toilet paper. You're going to use all of it. Name name me a product that if you bought it in bulk, you wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use it. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, that's the thing. I would buy it knowing that I was going to use it at some point. I just, why would I want to spend, maybe it doesn't make, maybe it doesn't make sense, like to spend $13 on, say, four ketchup bottles that are 40 ounces, or I can buy one ketchup bottle that's 24 ounces for three bucks. When I say it like that, it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, not at all. But it saves me space because I don't have to store four gigantic bottles. I have one bottle that just goes into my refrigerator. You really don't have you don't have to put all the refri- all the ketchup bottles in the refrigerator at the same time. You can put them in no. dry goods storage. Right, but like, maybe I don't have a lot of dry goods storage. Maybe I don't have any storage. How much dry goods storage you got right now? Give me a square footage in your house. <laughs> I don't fucking know, but it's enough, okay? So you, so you can. You, can. you have plenty of dry goods storage. So you could easily do this. You're wasting money. What? Why are you Costco shaming me? What did I do? And because it's just not thinking it through. You're not thinking the issue through. You're right. I, I don't really think on a daily basis how many bottles of ketchup I should be dry goods storing. Oh, yeah. When you go shopping, you should be pricing it price per, per ounce. That's how you price things. Not by Nobody what the thing does. does. That. Yeah, but you should be. That's how you can really tell what's cheaper and what's a better product. You're just throwing okay. money away. When's the last time you went grocery shopping? I don't know, Friday? 
What were you what? Okay. Well, what answer would I have given you that would have like oh if I was two years ago? No, I I don't care really when. Like I just I I was setting you up to ask you what is the most useless item you bought your last grocery shopping trip? I don't do that. I don't buy useless things. So you're not just walking through and you're like oh hey that looks good and nope. then you're like oh you get home and you're like oh well I I don't really want that or need that so nope. that was a waste of. I don't do that. I don't do that. I'm in and out in less than eight minutes. So you're what you're saying is, and I, I firmly believe there's which two is kinds four of times longer than it takes me to have sex. <laughs> well, you know, hey, that's another discussion. But there's two types of shoppers, right? There's you, and then there's the looker, which I'm the looker. Hold on, Spider Man just came in. What do you got to say, Spider Man? <laughs> Anything? I wouldn't understand. Okay, Spider Man's <laughs> leaving. Shut the door, Spider Man. God, he just hit back talk age. He just hit back talk age. <laughs> this gives me this look like you ain't shit. <laughs> what and you, you got a small dick, daddy. I know. <laughs> How do you feel? Like, did you, what, was, what was the? Do you think that your dad had a big dick? Oh my god! You've seen your dad's I, dick. You've seen your dad's dick. Was it big to you or not? I don't remember, and I wouldn't That's a lie. If I even did remember. That's a bold faced lie. I don't. I'm not going to answer this in front, of, especially because people. It's, it's your child listening to this. Yeah, but he's three. He doesn't understand. He's dressed. I, he's got I, a Spider-Man I'm, mask on right now. Yes or no? When you saw your father's no. stuff, did you think it was big? I'm not answering that question because people actually listen to this podcast. Yeah. Well, you can either compliment your dad or insult him. Which one do you want to pick? Either way, I, if you're li- leaving it blank, is insulting him. I, I'm gonna leave a blank. Then I, I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna answer that question. Wow, taking shots at your dad. Apple, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Listen, are you ready for the three things that you can't talk back on? You just have to answer. I always like when you say you know the rules, but you've never established the rules. <laughs> it's the two minutes of this entire podcast where I can ask you something, and you're not supposed to, you know, give any smart ass quips. You just answer. All right, we'll get to it. All right. Uh, this has been a. This Tell a me how many of, inches you think it was. <laughs> this is a topic of debate, uh, uh, and and continues to be. But is it Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris? Well, what does she say? I I, I want to know what you say. I don't. I don't even know. It's it's, it's not Kamala. even up for debate. There's not a matter of debate. What's her name? It's it's Kamala. So then, so you know what the answer is. I do. I want. I that's why I want to know what you thought. Well, why did you say? What? What does it matter? What? That's her name. Never mind. All right, Mayor. What? What? This is a matter for debate. It's a matter for debate. What's two and two? Is that four? It is a debate. It's that's not a debate. That's math. Detroit held the Democratic uh, debates this week, and 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 it's come up everywhere. Well. There's only one right answer, so it's not a debate. Like, you don't get to decide what somebody else's name is. Whatever she says is what the answer is. All right, fine. Let's move on to something that will make you happy. Uh, You have to decide between having a loaded beer or just straight tequila. Oh, loaded beer. I would agree with that. Yeah. Loaded beers are quite fantastic. Oh, they're delicious. If you guys haven't tried, and the thing I think with loaded beer that it isn't better, the cheaper the tequila, the better the loaded beer is. So when you do the loaded beer, how much, and I guess for people who don't know, you're supposed to drink like the neck of a Corona, but I usually try to drink 
I don't know, maybe like a quarter of the bottle. That way you get that much more tequila <laughs> in the bottle. So basically you just reverse the proportions and you drink <laughs> the neck of beer and the whole rest of it is tequila. <laughs> yeah, I just save the neck for the beer and then the rest of it's tequila, yeah. Have you ever tried to order it at Loaded Beer, though, at a bar where they won't just pour it directly into the beer and you have to try to do it I'm, through a shot glass? No, I, that, I mean, believe it or not, I've never, I've never tried. I might try now that you mentioned it, but I've never tried. Try it and videotape it and then we'll post it and it doesn't go well. <laughs> All right, say, say that your life, say that you're in a life-saving opportunities where you need your life saved who would you rather that have? makes no sense say say, say that uh, you flipped your car over and you need it to be you know you need to be rescued okay you have to pick between one person to come rescue you me or faithful listener chris gad for people who don't know chris gad is <laughs> he's one of those people and i, I, I that's my boy that's my longtime friend but he's an idiot that doesn't know that he's an idiot. He'd be one of those people that like, well, just let the fire burn out the door, and then you can get out. <laughs> like, I think, I think he's still single too. For any of the uh, single ladies that <laughs> want to look him up, look him up on Facebook. That's not going to change in a long time. <laughs> and how long? How long before? Okay, if somebody's single, how long of a time period passes before they're just permanently single? Right, like if you're single for this amount of years, you can just pretty much call it a day because it's 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 a permanent situation for you. Well, I mean, it, it was someone who's not trying or someone who is trying to date. I don't think it even matters. I would probably say once you hit like, if you're going on double digit years, you're probably just permanently single forever. Oh, I would say it's much shorter than that. I was gonna say it 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 starts out at five years in your twenties. And decreases a year every five years after that, right? So it's five years in your 20s, four years in your 30s, three years at 35, two years at 40, one year at 45, and then you're just done. Yeah, well, I mean, you went way more in depth than I did, but yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good one. I'm a firm believer that if a man does not have a significant other hasn't been married or haven't has a, hasn't had a long-term relationship by 37, he's done. He's done for the rest of his life. Say a neighbor moves in or you move into a neighborhood and the neighbor is a 47-year-old man, he's never been married, had one girlfriend for like maybe six months in his 20s, says says he's a heterosexual, seems kind of cool, that, that's, that's his bio. Do you trust him? Do you invite him over for dinner or not? The problem is I think the that the... The opposite sex is really good at picking up on cues, right? It's like a house that's been on the market for a really long time. Maybe you can't quite pinpoint what's wrong with it, but you just know that there's something wrong with it. Like, there's some issue there, right? And that applies to both men and women. Like, if a woman's been single for a really long time, she's probably just crazy, you know? Like, there's something there, right? The foundation may be strong, but the walls are rotting. That kind of a thing. <laughs> That's a bit, like when you're at the bar and there's that one woman who looks to be in her 40s or 50s who's just sitting down there, you know, drinking vodka, Dear vodka clearly. cranberries like it's Sunday morning. There's something. There's <laughs> something there. And I think that we, as a human species, even if we necessarily can't put our finger on it, we're really good at noticing red flags. Uh, what Do you have another segment? Are you done or what's going on? 
No, no, we we got the uh, the shout out part of the show. Which okay, uh, here's what I want you to do for this 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 music: bump your belly against things to make the music. Oh my, I, I don't know. Believe it or not, I'm not really sure that that's going to be successful. But just just try it. Um, all right, let me see if I can find a. All right, let's see here. Where did you have the phone? Start over and put the phone next to your belly so we can hear it. Oh, my God. All right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> there, is that better? We're going to have to work on that. Compa- okay, real quickly, do we do it with your butt, and let's see if your butt makes more noise than your belly. I don't have much of an ass. We'll try, though. That actually just sounded like you were walking away. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, your butt is definitely more, uh, carries more of a frequency than your stomach does. All right, go ahead. Only on this fucking show would I ever do that. You're, you're, a, you're a lucky guy. All right, anyways. All right, am I? Well, I don't know about that. You have to talk to me every week. Um, so uh, I crushed you in our, in our Facebook poll. I, I'm back on top. I mean, I destroyed you in the top five. Fast food burgers. I didn't think um, I was going to lose that bad. It was pretty bad. It was like, what, 80 to 20 or something? Yeah, pretty close. Um, one of our loyal listeners said that McDonald's should be on no one's list ever, which I agree with to a certain point, but if you're doing top fast food of most anything, I mean, McDonald's has to be on there. I don't, you know, that's. I think that's just a given. Um, so that was Wes. Um, Alice had a, had a kind of a funny comment um, saying... In, in terms of the fast food burgers, that I'm not sure an earlier death is necessarily uh, a thing that should be touted. Meaning that you know, us ranking our fast food burgers probably means that. Shit. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, I might have five years left. We'll see what happens. Um, one one that was brought up a couple of times on different social media to us was Whataburger. I've never had Whataburger. I never I, have I mean, either, just, but I, I kind of want to try it now. It just looks like a place that I'm just going to keep driving past. That's the problem. We had uh, a bunch of people that listen from our neck of the woods here in Metro Detroit and in Kansas, say some like Kansas and uh, Detroit specific burger joints, uh, which are cool. It's just I don't think they stand against the national chains no. when it comes to fast food. Yeah, we got to look at multi-state stuff. Um, and then, uh, one of our Facebook, uh, or one of, sorry, one of our Twitter polls this week, uh, we asked, what would you rather wear, a cutoff t-shirt or jorts in the summer? And, uh, by far, cutoff shorts won, uh, or cutoff shirt, rather, won. But, uh, the best, the best, uh, comment of the day went to Awesome Dude Vivo, who says, neither pajamas because i ain't doing shit today or tomorrow <laughs> yeah i thought that was pretty good shout out to awesome dude vivo that was really good um yeah, are you check ready us out facebook instagram twitter are you ready for our, are you ready for our top five i am uh okay i think i'm i mean once again i think the top five it should be generic here but we'll see we'll see what we have so i know so throw that be up what Intro, you know, 
bring up the segment. Say what it is. I, I can't even take you seriously when you say something like that. Be up. <laughs> so upset. Sorry, Nicholas. This is like you, your ridiculous you... text message that you sent me earlier today. It's just ridiculous. I'm not even going to answer that kind of question remember. anymore. Okay, uh, we'll get to your text message in a minute and why it was dumb. But our top five is top five desserts. And John asked me before in a text message about, well, does that include ice cream? Ice cream with sprinkles? Ice cream with syrup? Ice cream with chocolate sauce? Ice cream with whipped cream? Like, wh- why would you ask first, me that question? First off, once again, you got your facts wrong there, Donald. I asked you, are we being specific or generic? So, like, is ice cream its own category or, like, its own choice? Or, or are we being specific and to say, like, ice cream with sprinkles, say, at number five, and then an ice cream cookie at number two? Well, see, but that's, well, why wouldn't you just go down the whole list like I was talking about? Like, ice cream with chocolate sauce, ice cream with whipped cream, ice cream with whipped cream on a cherry top. Like, of course that's we're being generic. what I was generic. asking you was how specific you wanted, wanted to be for this top five. And you didn't answer, so oh, I, I, I made up play, my This own is list. why I'm upset. What's your number five? My number five is a milkshake. Ooh, I forgot about a milkshake. It's uh, solid. It can be chocolate, strawberry, Oreo. It doesn't really matter. Milkshakes are pretty damn good. Do you know the difference between a milkshake and a malt? I have no idea. I don't think anyone actually does. Oh, I'm sure somebody does. Well, okay, what is it? Could you, I, I if I gave no you idea, two things, I, if I gave you two things, like one's a milkshake, one's a malt, you could tell me which one is which? I, I couldn't, but I'm sure there's, I mean, I've been in uh, restaurants with people like that I'm with who are like, oh, no, you got to have a malt, not the milkshake. I don't know what the difference is, but they seem to know the difference. The difference is that you should have left that restaurant immediately and not hung out with those people anymore because they don't know. <laughs> 100% chance I, they don't know. I got nothing. What's your number five? Cheesecake. Cheesecake is good. Uh, it's on my list, but it's higher, so cheesecake Ooh. is very good. Okay, okay. What's your number four? Uh, pie. Specifically, cherry pie or blueberry pie. Blueberry pie, huh? Personal favorite, yeah. Wow. Okay. Does spinach pie count as dessert? Just does, kidding. Does what? Spinach pie count. You ever had cream pie? <laughs> I do love me some cream puffs. I do love cream puffs. Ironically, that's my number four is cream puffs. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. It's it is it right here. Cream puffs slash chocolate filled donuts, which I consider. <laughs> I let the, the look the chocolate filled donut versus the cream puff. I consider that a lot to be like the milkshake versus malt. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, I mean, there probably isn't a difference. It's just. It's just the way that they're prepared, really. I mean, it's really the same ingredients. Okay. All right. What's your number three? Uh, so my number three is cake. Uh, more specifically, cheesecake or, like, any kind of, like, five-layer chocolate cake or really any kind of chocolate cake for me. Okay. I, I, I don't think cake deserves to be anywhere near. I've never had a good cake in my life besides cheesecake. But just regular cake, I'm always like, wow, I wish this was something else. See, I'm 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 kind of the like the opposite of that. I I can probably name you the top cheesecakes I've ever had because there's a lot of terrible cheesecake, but I I mean cake's kind of cake, right? Like you make it what it is. Put a little ice cream on it, 
fantastic. Yeah, but that's because of the ice cream. That's not because of the cake. Like, most cake is not that good, right? It usually ends up being dry. You usually just want to eat the frosting. Not the actual cake. Nobody cares about the cake. Get rid of that. Just eat the frosting. You were the kind of kid where you just ate the frosting, weren't you? Yeah, you go for corner piece. I don't like it when people are like, I'm trying to lose weight. Don't give me the corner piece. Then why are you eating cake in the first place? Yeah, listen, I'm no small fry, but you will never, ever hear me say that. No, 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 please give me a middle slice because I'm dieting and I can't eat the corner piece. I don't even like when somebody says, give me a small piece. Even that's annoying to me. (laughs) Well, you are the kind of person that no matter who it is, it could be your mother. And she's going to go, Nick, give me a small piece. You're just going to give her a big-ass piece because that's the way you are. That's actually been confirmed. My mother asked me for a small piece, and I give her the biggest possible piece I can find. Your mother's a saint. You know she that? She is a saint. Um, what number are we on? Are we in number three? three. Oh, I have brownie. number three. I got brownie. Okay, brownie uh, did not make my list, but that uh, that that it's it's an honorable mention for me. See, now, I'm, a, I'm a more of a fan of even when you can get it like, I would put cookie on the list. I don't have cookie on there. But if you can get a cookie right as it comes out of the right as it comes out of the oven, like before it gets hard, then I'm all about it. That's the best kind of cookies and brownies. Yeah, cookies are, uh, I mean, if, yeah, if you can get them hot and gooey, they're fantastic. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, this is super generic, but uh, really any kind of uh, chocolate. I have to agree with you. I mean, I'm mad that you just put chocolate, but... I mean, if we're going to go specifics, like for me... That's a flavor. Reese's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. No, you go peanut butter M&M's. Actually, no, you go peanut M&M's. If you come into my house... My number seven. If there's a choice between peanut M&M's and Reese's Pieces, and you come into my house with Reese's Pieces, you're going to be leaving my house. That's ridiculous. Next, next time I see you, I'm going to bring Reese's Pieces. Well, you're not coming into my house. Well, you didn't let me in last time either. So what's the difference? <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, my number two is pie. I think pie is very underrated. I think pie can serve uh, a multitude of functions. I agree. I know what you're trying to go for. You're really trying this time. <laughs> Have you ever well, known you know, somebody who's actually done that? No, I don't know. I don't even think, I couldn't imagine how it would even feel good. It would get all fucking sticky, and I'm a big dude, so like, it just, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be successful for me, so. What's your number one? Uh, and this should be your number one. I think, I, I think. Everyone's number one. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty universal. What'd you say? I was interrupting you because I knew what you were going to put. Ice cream. Okay, give me your top three flavors of ice cream. Uh, Moose Tracks for sure. Okay. Uh, Superman. I don't know what that one is. What's that? Describe it. Like eight, eight colors, eight flavors. What are the flavors? Like, uh, I, like, I don't know. It's like blue, pink, yellow, green. Why would you like that? That's like going to the Seven Eleven and getting a suicide of every kind of flavored pop that they have. It sounds disgusting. I actually kind of like that too, so it's, <laughs> maybe I'm just in the minority. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, I, I love cherry, so, I mean, any any kind of cherry ice cream. You're going to go, you, oh my God, you're the most boring person alive. You're going to seriously go to an ice cream parlor 
and get cherry. Like, you're that guy that gets, like, rum raisins. Get the fuck out of here. You're going to say fucking, you're just going to say regular vanilla, vanilla bean. No, I would never do that. I wouldn't put cherry up there. Mmm, you know what would really be good today? Some cherry ice cream. I mean, I like peanut butter cups. Like, I didn't have peanut butter cups, and it's good, too. In the cherry ice cream? You go peanut butter cups in the cherry ice cream? I would if I've never had it, but I would do it. Why not? I don't think that sounds like a good mix of flavor. My number one is obviously ice cream as well. I don't think there's anything. I, I think it's one of those instances where I don't know how you're number one, unless you're lactose intolerant. I don't know how your number one is in ice cream. I really don't. I want to find somebody this week that their number one isn't ice cream, and I want a good explanation. I don't think there is one. What what would be an acceptable explanation for not having ice cream besides lactose intolerance as your number one? Like you get a seriously the go. Thing, the only thing I could think of that might be, I mean, I would I would say it's an okay reason would be if someone didn't like. And this doesn't make any sense, but cold desserts, like if they like you know pie or. Or something like that, like heated, like hot desserts. Okay, but even then, with ice cream, it's even better. What's on your honorable? I I agree, but maybe they just, you know, maybe they don't like it, or maybe they never experienced it. I don't know. (laughs) What's your number? What's on your honorable mention? Uh, So I put down uh, Sundays, which are just another form of ice cream, really. Uh, Eclairs, chocolate eclairs. Eclair to me is a cream puff. I don't know what the difference is between an eclair and a cream puff. I think it's because a cream puff is a little puff, and an eclair is a a long thing, long okay. pastry. Seems about right. <laughs> um, this is this is kind of going on a stretch. I used to have it for dessert. I'm sure nobody else has ever had it, but uh, like frozen bananas, like chocolate frozen bananas. How do you? I don't understand the consistency of that. Like the banana is frozen. How are you biting through the banana if it's frozen? Well, I, it's. I don't know. It's good. I, I, I don't know. You like let it thaw a little bit, but like you know, it's like eating. An, it's like eating an ice cream bar. Okay. But it's a frozen chocolate banana. All right. Uh, my number. I just want to say this word: strudel. <laughs> Strudel is a pretty great word. Get you some good strudel. I'll go a funnel cake, man. I don't have a problem with a good funnel cake. See, funnel cakes are usually too much cake for me and not enough good stuff. Well, it's just powdered sugar that they put on top of it right there, right? Love me some powdered sugar. Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Tons of fun. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We love hearing from you guys. We really do. I mean, some of the comments are just awesome. You guys have had some great perspective on things that we should have asked and I think have really helped us out in, I would say, the development of this show. But I don't really know if we've developed in a positive way. But we are trying. And I think that's all that matters. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.